Huntley no. sticks the ball out. The Bengals have Go the ball. Bailey. They are running it back. Oh. Sam Hubbard with blockers behind him. Hubbard to the Ravens, 40, nice. the 30, nice. the 20, yeah. the 10, the Woo. 5. Touchdown, Bengals. That is what joy sounds like in Cincinnati right now. True joy. Like the giddy, don't even ask questions type of happiness that really only comes when your opponent has just saved your entire season. Even if you still have no idea why the Ravens tried to quarterback sneak that ball in the fourth quarter in the first place. And yet, as totally self-inflicted mistakes go. Baltimore was also far from alone this weekend. And so today, Alex Smith, our Monday morning quarterback, tells us what he really loved from the first weekend of these playoffs and what he really, really hates. I'm Pablo Torre. It's Monday, January 16th. And this is ESPN Daily. So, Alex Smith, it is almost midnight uh, at the end of, well, almost the end of Super Wildcard Weekend. And I just want it on the record here so everyone understands how much you hate the quarterback sneak. And what we saw in this game, the way that the Bengals won this game, tell us what you saw here. <laughs> it's, the wor- it's the worst quarterback sneak I've ever seen, Pablo. It's the worst... It's the worst. It was the worst call, play design, and then the. Ah, I just feel so bad. You know, Tyler Huntley, I don't know if you know this, Pablo. He went to Utah. He and I are both Utes, and I'm a big, oh, I'm a big right. Tyler Huntley fan, and I was, I forgot I was that. pumped for him yes. in the situation. And honestly, I thought he played, I thought he played pretty damn well over the course of the game, given the situation. I was shocked by and how well. Dr- yes, replacing oh, Lamar Jackson. He drives him down to the, f- like, they weren't really on the one. They were pretty far out. I mean, it was a solid, they were almost on the two, I, I feel like. Like, it was a one and a half. And they call, it's, like, this year, thanks to the Eagles, we've we've seen the reemergence of this, this, I don't even know what to call it, this scrum. It's literally a scrum. We've reverted back to, like, the origins of football <laughs> in like the late 1800s when, uh, uh. you know, 40 guys are in there with their hand in the dirt and are just running into each other. It's like the most, and this is what the Ravens call, you know, third and goal. Granted, you've got this dynamic quarterback who's a really gifted player in space. You've got gifted running backs that are strong. They're also good in space, but no, we're going to, we're just going to get in here and we're going to scrum this thing in. Oh. And then Tyler Huntley decides to jump. <laughs> but this is not this is not where you do that. You know, you can do that on fourth and goal, Pablo, when there is when there is nothing left and you got, you know, and fumble doesn't even matter, then sure go airborne and extend. But this is not the time to do that. And he just was so far from it. He jumped up and over and he was still so far from the goal line. And then the ball gets knocked out. And the Ravens, the Ravens can't do anything because all of them are in the scrum still and it bounces. It's like Plinko. It's like watching the football Plinko its way off of all these body parts in the scrum towards 
towards towards it just Hubbard. It hits Hubbard right in the hands. <laughs> and I mean, it's like QB sneak nightmare. I don't even think like Sam Hubbard doesn't even. I don't even think he like. There's like a half a second when he's like, "Is this happening?" <laughs> Before he takes off on the 98 yard fumble return for a touchdown, and I mean, the I mean, yes, it's a 14 point swing. Like I've for a playoff game. These are two division opponents that don't like each other, and for it to come down to this hideous of a play of this. Just, it's the worst QB sneak I've ever seen. It's a nightmare. It was an absolute debacle. <laughs> You're so bad. Yeah, I just want the listener to understand that for like the vast majority of your answer, you had your head in your hands. Because, because why? This is a worse QB sneak than the Chiefs QB sneaking and getting Mahomes hurt and is dislocating his kneecap. Like this one, <laughs> this one's worse. <laughs> I just, I hate it. I hate everything about it. So what do you want to tell? What do you want to tell your sport about the quarterback sneak, Alex, given what you saw tonight? Because it, it, it it's something that we just see in moments of the utmost importance so often. And yet you could not be more tormented from your own experiences, clearly, as well as watching others. Listen, I think... There's a time and a place for it, but I loved, you know, Doug Peterson, my old coach, put it very simply. When they're all there on the inside, run outside, right? And, and, and vice versa. You know, if you come up to the offensive line or you come up to the line of scrimmage and it looks good to run a QB sneak, run a QB sneak. But this, this idea, when they've got 10 guys in there and four-point stances that, you know, and that you're still just going to, we're going to, we're going to win this battle. It's such an old school, uh, again, just dumb mentality to put it. I, I can't think of a better yeah. word. It's just dumb. And <laughs> there's a lot better things to, that you could do. And so I hate it. And again, the Ravens are one of the best rushing football teams in the NFL. Greg Roman, their offensive coordinator, who I played for for two years, is one of the right, most right. creative run game guys in the NFL, if not the most. And... Yet we've taken all that off. We've taken away all our strengths and we've reduced it to this just remnant, <laughs> ancient remnant of the game. And I hate it. And uh, <laughs> there you are. There's my rant. So Alex, I want to take us out to Minnesota now because Daniel Jones, I think just had the best game of his life. Is that what we just saw? It upsetting the Vikings 34? To, to, I, absolutely. Without, without a doubt. Pablo, yes, the best game of Daniel Jones' life. Right, so they win 31-24. to 24, And we'll get into just how much of an upset this really was in a second here, but just in terms of Danny Dimes actually, very unsarcastically, just delivering dimes, which he's been doing for like a month now, man. Like, what have the Giants figured out about how to use him that opposing defense is still in the playoffs now, can't quite figure out how to stop? Well, I mean, first off, the talent was in there. You don't get a nickname like Danny Dimes, which he's had for years now, without you know having a high ceiling. This guy can can drop him in there. He has the talent to do it. He's an incredible athlete. The giant question, no pun intended, that that New York fans have been trying to answer, right? Is like it's been so Jekyll and Hyde, right? Yes, they've seen these these crazy performances and plays that this kid can do, and then obviously a lot left there to be wanting as well. And Brian Dayball, uh, who. Huge hand in the development of Josh Allen up in Buffalo comes in and he's worked his magic. 
him and Mike Kafka, the offensive coordinator, have done an unbelievable job of just building this around Daniel Jones and uh, the talent around him. But I think slowly and methodically building this kid's confidence. And I think that was that's a big thing that's been lacking. And I think we saw that. We saw that today. Like the, on the biggest stage, in a playoff game, on the road. And it's because of him and it's because of uh, all the tools that he has. You know, to be running, to run for 80 yards. What he did in the first half with his legs was unbelievable. And then again, just he looked so decisive all day, throwing the football in complete command. I mean, I think it starts with his eyes and his feet. The things that I see in a quarterback that immediately I can tell how comfortable he is. He knows where he's looking. So it starts with your eyes, right? We, as quarterbacks, we have these mm. kind of keys that, that help, that help. We're gathering information as we're dropping back, whether it be even pre-snap or post-snap. And so you have to know where to look to help you get through your progression faster. And so you got to know, you know, what you're looking at. So to, for me to immediately walk up and, and watch him drop back and to see how decisive he is with his eyes. And then his feet kind of marrying that. They're very much tied together. And you can see when, they're, when he knows what he's doing, when he's confident, when there is no doubt that he's looking the right way, that his, that his feet are in the right rhythm, that he's getting through his progressions, you can see it. There is no hesitancy in his play. Uh, you know, that this will be a big confidence boost for him going forward in his career. Well, he looked like the other nickname. He lived up to the other nickname that Saquon Barkley had given him, which is Vanilla Vic. And, and the idea that, yes, here is an athlete, as you just alluded to, here is a guy, look, as a, as a dual threat guy yourself, Alex, once upon a time, when you watch him, what do you admire about how he's playing the position and how he's using that athleticism in ways that are, are like beyond any joke, like clearly for real? Sometimes there's this stigma with becoming an NFL quarterback and you're like, I got to be a pocket passer. There's like this idea that like, I got to, I got to do this, right? Like I got to be Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. And you forget that like, no, Daniel Jones, you can run like 21 miles an hour. You're one of the fastest guys, you know, like you're a great <laughs> athlete. Like you can embrace both of those things, right? Like it doesn't have to be one or the other that you can win from the pocket, but you can also be this dynamic athlete as well. And I think I'll never forget for me, I know I carried that kind of stigma that like I, I didn't want to lean on my legs my first few years in, in the league. And, and remember, till I got to a point where like, what, what, am, what am I doing? Like, this is a tool of mine. And uh, again, a strength of mine. And why, why wouldn't I embrace it and be proud of it and engage it as often as possible when it's there? And again, I, I do think this year, to have a head coach, I think, that understands that and, and to call QB-driven runs, to dial up your number in critical situations. Again, I know what that meant for me. A lot of it happened later when, when Jim Arbaugh came in, coached me in, in San Francisco and, and started calling some of these plays for me. And, and what a confidence boost it was when, hey, third and four with the game on the line, he's calling your number to go get the first down, whether it be throwing the football or running it. And uh, again, Daniel Jones's legs, and especially in this first half, I thought were just... They were so vital, especially giving the Giants a big lead. And uh, I think ultimately, again, especially in red zone and key situations, made, made a big difference. Yeah, I mean, look, the other magic sort of aspect of this team has just been the turnovers being minimized. I mean, they had zero turnovers again today. They've been excellent at that all season. And now I'm just wondering what questions you want answered 
from this team as they go to Philly and they get the Eagles next week. What's still lingering in your mind in terms of the recipe here that the Giants have going and whether they can continue to, yeah, cook something this delicious, I guess, against, yeah, even better competition. No, they're a tough football team, Pablo. I think they can, I mean, they can play with anybody. I I, I really do believe that. I, I, You know, you look at them, I think they were in like, 13 of their 17 games were one-score games this year. I mean, even a bunch of their losses. Like, they're, they've been in a lot of these ball games. They're, they're very confident in these tight ball games. And here they are. They're going to go play the Eagles, a division opponent. They played them twice in the last five weeks of the season. They're very familiar with them. I think any time you have this, we, when, when you're playing a team for the third time in a season, especially here the third time in seven weeks, it's going to be a hard-fought game. I love the Eagles. I love Jalen Hurts. I love everything they've done this year. But uh, regardless of how much I love them, I think this is going to be a close game. So now, Alex, I want to pose to you a question about the first game that we saw on Sunday. And it's a question that was posed by our own producer, Aaron Vale, Buffalo's own Aaron Vale, in fact, because the Bills were favored by 14 in this. The Dolphins were forced to play their third-string quarterback, Skylar Thompson, because of all of these injuries. And Buffalo was trailing in the second half, and they had to hang on to win a a truly stressful experience, 34 to 31. And Aaron's question is, and I quote, why was that so hard? Good God, end quote. Why was it so hard, Alex? Uh, I mean, I don't mean to be too sarcastic, but this is the NFL. That's why. As much as uh, as we looked at this, when it was the third-string quarterback, they don't have a chance. These are division opponents, right? This is their third time playing each other. They know each other extremely well. Mm-hmm. This is a really good football team. They have a receiving duo. It's the third one in history to ever get 3,000 <laughs> yards passing in a single season combined, right? Like, they also have really good defense and players on that side of the ball. And so I think sometimes, obviously, the quarterbacks get so much attention. And, and I think sometimes we let that affect our judgment too much. And honestly... I think that even affects the other team, Pablo. Like I, I think the mm. fact that the third-string quarterback is playing, I think has an effect on the Bills, right? Like they hear it. They're 14-point favorites. They're going to walk over them. This is going to be right. this. It'll be a right. piece of cake. And it probably didn't help that they, the way the game started, that they jumped out to this huge lead, right? And it kind of fulfilled that. that yep, 17 to nothing yeah, was that lead Fulfilled to start. that kind of fantasy. But that's just not the case. These two teams played twice and i think their the the score difference was one point right like it it inevitably regardless of the quarterback situation both super close yes yep. was, was gonna be a Split close ball game and with that being said the bills didn't play their best football game right josh allen no. had three tough turnovers all of them all of it led 18 points uh directly off of his three turnovers the dolphins got a key big punt um return that set up points for them as well they like Everything they kind of needed to go right happened. Um, and the Bills still found a way to win it. So in a lot of ways, I think it was a, it was an encouraging victory. Um, again, some things to clean up, as we've all always kind of talked about with Josh Allen. Right? Yeah, like well, let's, let's talk about the cleanup, yeah. man. Let's talk about the cleanup, right? Because you mentioned it. It was two picks. It was a fumble, which was a scoop and a score, 18 points off of those turnovers, as you said. But what's he, is he just trying to do too much? Like, what's your diagnosis of what he needs to do better here? Yeah, I mean, the first one, I would, I, I would definitely say that. I mean, I think it was 17 to three at the time. The Bills were rolling. They had ripped off two straight runs, like 10-yard runs. And here they're kind of at midfield and they run this play-action pass. 
And I get that he has the one-on-one, -on -one and there, he, he takes the shot down the field to, to John Brown. First and 10, play action fake back to throw Allen. Looking, fires, and it is intercepted, intercepted by X-Man. He's got it to 10, the 15, the 20, the 30, the 35-yard line, and he's close to midfield. But if you look, if you like stop the tape, I mean, it's first and 10. His running back and his tight end, who are his checkdowns, are right in front of him. And they're easily going to gain 8 to 10 yards at a minimum, right? At, at worst, you're second and two or, or you move the chains. And sometimes you fall in love with these big play action passes and shots down the field. But to me, this one, it, it didn't even hit. It wasn't to either one of his guys. It wasn't to Stefan Diggs or Gabe Davis. He had wide open guys underneath. I know he kind of got fooled with John Brown, you know, as far as his angle coming out of the break. But like, it just seemed like such a, such a force. First down passing. He had free, free money underneath. Mm. And I think sometimes this is uh, what we've seen out of the Bills and Josh Allen. The next one was kind of a freaky little bad bounce. He, he, he threw it right into Cole Beasley's chest and, and somehow the ball popped up and got picked. But the third one, again, as a quarterback, it, you, you got to know where you're protected and where you're not. And, and before you can start any play, Pablo, like that, as you walk up to the line and you're a quarterback and it's a pass play, yeah. that's all you're thinking about. Like my number one... Your number one thought process as you walk up to the line of scrimmage is, where am I not protected? And what happens if they, they bring somebody to that side, right? And we saw it on this play. Clearly, the line was sliding right. Josh Allen didn't even look to his left, uh, which is where the pressure was coming from. Didn't see the free rusher. Tried to adjust and obviously got hit, fumbled, and ended up with a scoop and score. And, which in the third quarter led to, the I think, the Dolphins' first lead of the ball game, which stunned everybody you know all of a sudden here we are in the third quarter we were up 17 nothing and and now we're we're losing uh, i think for the bills to have settled in for josh allen to have responded the way he did back-to-back -to -back touchdowns in in the third quarter but to kind of regain the lead and control of this ball game it wasn't a pretty win but they got it done and again playing a team for the third time is never easy especially with the huge expectations on them this was you know yeah, they're supposed to cruise to this win. I think they were one of the biggest favorites in NFL his playoff history going into this. So I don't feel any less different about them. And uh, I, I look for this Bills team to to kind of to really make some noise. I, I think they're they're going to be hard for anybody to handle. Yeah. So on behalf of Aaron, then here's the updated question: After um, why wasn't this easier? It's does this feel now like a wake-up call then? Does it feel like this was the sort of thing that you need to like figure out, okay, now we're back. Now now we're back to who we, who we actually are. Yeah, and I think it can be the wake-up call that to, to remind you the margin of victory, right? Like the, the, the difference in the NFL is so small. And it's gonna, here as the weeks go on in the playoffs, it gets even smaller. And I think sometimes a learning lesson while getting a win in this situation uh, can really help you going forward. Well, now we also know that the Bills are going to host the Bengals. That is the upshot of today. And the way that we got here, though, Alex, to this big 2-3 matchup that was, you know, as wildly anticipated even before the DeMar Hamlin game that wasn't a game because technically that game was never played, was played. Like, happened. Like, all that stuff. That's... What, what are we getting here now? What's the setup for for this game coming up this weekend? Oh, this is, I mean, this is a matchup that everybody hoped for all off season, all season long that we, we had talked about the, the power 
dynamic in the AFC, right? That these offenses and and teams in the AFC, and they were all it was all because of all these quarterbacks, right? And here we are, we're gonna get Joe Burrow and Josh Allen, two of the best in their prime, going toe to toe in the playoffs. And it's gonna be amazing. You said it, obviously they were they were set to play uh late in the season and because of DeMar Hamlin, we didn't get to see that. And uh, and here we go. And and I think there will be great respect for one another because of, of, of that, because of what they went through, and great competitiveness. Both these teams know what they're capable of. They know how good they are. The opportunity to play playoff football, it only, it only comes once a year, right? And, and both these teams got close last year. We changed the rules because of the Bills, you know, outcome. And here's their chance. They had to wait an entire calendar year for their next opportunity. And that's the beauty of, of these playoffs. And so for both these teams that are incredibly confident, I think, in their ability, they have to go do it, right? And uh, you only get one chance. And that's the beauty of the and the pressure of this situation uh, to go out there and do it in the face of that. Yeah, no, it feels like this is the biggest test, this specific matchup, the matchup that we were going to get but didn't for obvious reasons having to do with DeMar Hamlin and now finally going to get when the stakes are somehow even higher. Yeah, the highest, right? There is no tomorrow. And uh, I think it'll be amazing to see them lay it out there like that and leave it out there. All right, Alex, after the break, one of the biggest choke jobs in the history of the NFL. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home some huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So Alex, I don't know about you, but I literally turned off the Chargers-Jags game for a while, right? I mean, the Chargers are up 27 to nothing on the Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence is looking awful. He's thrown four interceptions in the first half. His passer rating is exactly 0.0. And I just started watching Fantasia, you know, that Disney movie. Mm -hmm. Um, Highly (laughs) recommended, by the way. Very psychedelic. Um, But nothing I saw in that animated film was trippier than what I witnessed tuning back into this game because the Jaguars come back to win this 31 to 30. And so at the half, be honest with me, how are you feeling about this game? At halftime, I was currently packing my bag. You know, I'm in Tampa for the uh, the Monday night game. Yes. And so after the fourth interception, I was I was in the same boat. I'm like, all right, let me go get a head start on packing my bag. Yep. Good night. <laughs> well, you know, I don't want to know what it was 20, 30 minutes later. My oldest son comes in who's 11. He's like, 
uh, <laughs> Dad, I think you need to come back out here. <laughs> and so I walk back out. And, you know, so you're, you're tuning back in and you're, you're you know, you're, for me, I'm jumping on my phone and trying to figure out what happened and how they, they scored a couple of times. But I'm really kind of thinking, well, yep. they made it close. They can't, they're not really going to get back and actually make this a game. And uh, boy, was I wrong. And it brought up tough memories too because as they pulled off the victory, I found out that it's the third biggest comeback win in playoff history. That's right. I was, I was victim to number two on that list. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I did not know this. <laughs> it's tough. Brings up some tough, some tough playoff memories for me personally. <laughs> but to go back. Wait, oh, this is, wait. This is, this is, I got to open this wound all the way open, but this is Colts. Chiefs 2013. I'm now realizing. Yeah, that, that was a 28 back. point lead that we oh, blew. Boy. Luckily, I didn't throw you know four <laughs> picks or anything. <laughs> but I, if you'd have told me Trevor Lawrence's stat line at halftime, like I wouldn't have believed you. But the second half, like the idea that here's Trevor Lawrence in the first half being the worst he's ever been. Here he is in the second half being the best he's ever been. Four touchdowns, no picks. You know, 23 of 29 in the second half. What the hell changed? Again, to go back to the eyes and feet of a quarterback, right? To know what you're looking at. Your feet are tied in with that. You're making confident decisions. That, that's not what we saw in the first half. And listen, it's his first big playoff game. He's at home. He's excited. He's pumped. He's nervous. There's pressure. And you can start doing some uncharacteristic things, especially if you don't get into a rhythm. I've watched enough Trevor Lawrence this year. He knows what he's doing. This is completely out of character. And I think playoff football sometimes, uh, the atmosphere and magnitude of the situation can do that. And, and I think, listen, you never want to have to throw four picks to learn that lesson. And, and, but I think we saw that. We saw him finally say enough's enough and, and come back in the second half. And one play at a time, he even said it in his post-game press conference, right? Like there is no 27-point play. Uh, I mean... To have thrown four picks, I, I like if you're a veteran, like you're and not I coming have. back from that, Pablo. Like if I had done that, you need a certain naivete to yes, get over that's that. Exactly even. what I'm saying. Like this entire team, they're so young. Like they, it's like whatever. And it was a Saturday, Pablo. He's got a good record on Saturdays. Thirty-seven and zero on Saturdays. Lifetime, I believe. Now is Trevor Lawrence. Man, it was it was uh, it was high theater. You know, to see them march back for the third it greatest really comeback was. in playoff history. <laughs> and and this Jaguars team is like really starting to believe. And Doug Peterson, I I think we got to give him a lot of credit in this and what he's done to build. They got they they brought in a bunch of young free agents from all over. They've kind of pieced this thing together. Certainly they've had a bunch of young draft picks uh that have been through a lot of dysfunction there in Jacksonville as well. And and for him to bring all those pieces together and really get them believing in each other. To come back from this deficit, I, I again, I, I, I think uh, hats off to them. On the other side of the ball, though, the Chargers, man. Well, well, let's let's establish this appropriately. And by the way, I do want to establish that when you did have, I believe, uh, yeah, the second, the second largest yep, choke right. of NFL right. playoff yeah. history. Yeah. That's where we are. You, to your credit, did have, I believe, four touchdowns, no picks. You know, it wasn't, it was, you, you did fine. But here's the thing about the psychology, right? Of a team that chokes away a lead. Because what Kyle Van Noy said after the game, the Chargers linebacker was, was pretty blunt. He said, quote, we choked. 
And I'm just curious what it's like to be in a locker room or on a sideline as you're watching all of this happen. Because it's it's a it's a rare short list of people who have experienced something like that, and you happen to be on it. I mean, to be rolling like you were the Chargers. I mean, you're you were plus five in the turnover margin. No, no tease ever, <laughs> ever done that. Um, and to let it slip through your fingers, to know that just one play here or one play there in the second half. One made field goal, yeah. Maybe you run the ball one or two more times, Pablo, in the second half yep. to your yep, MVP caliber running back. Um, and so it hurts. Those I, you just every one of those things is magnified, knowing you you had this victory, and it hurts even worse because, like I said, at halftime and in the third quarter, uh, we'd be lying if we if if some of those guys weren't already thinking about, like I said, the the celebration on the ride home and and who they yep. were going to play the next yep. week and that they had this one in the bag. A lot of questions for the Chargers. Suddenly the offseason is so much more chaotic and it was already going to be pretty yep. chaotic. And that's a shame because they're, they're a really good football team. When the Chargers are playing at their best, yeah. they can play with anybody. Brennan Staley, I think, uh, again, their choices, I think they had eight rushes in the second half. Just uh, not, not, that's not what it takes to win. Uh, when you have a lead like that, the Mike Williams decision is still baffling to me. Um, and so playing him yes. in the last week of the season, fracturing yep. his back in the uh, process, keeping him out of this a game. A guy that has had is uh, multiple injuries this year that he's battled through and to play him in week 18 uh, for nothing. So uh, we'll see what happens uh, with them moving forward. They're a talented football team with one of the best young quarterbacks in the league, but uh He's still searching for his first playoff win, and, and Trevor Lawrence got his. Well, speaking of a team that had its season reshaped by some amount of injury, I do want to remind people, Alex, that when Jimmy Garoppolo got injured on December 4th, a lot of people in your life, us included, started wondering actively if the Niners, your old first team in the NFL, were going to sign you to play quarterback. That was an active thing I was wondering. Because the only guy left in the depth chart was their rookie third stringer, the last pick of the draft, as we all now know, Brock Purdy. And nobody knew what he was going to look like. It just seemed like this was going to be a very bad thing. But here is, here is Brock Purdy blowing out the Seahawks, 43-21 to 21 in his first playoff start. And Brock Purdy now, Alex, officially looks like what to you? Oh, I mean, he looks, I, he looks like a bona fide starting quarterback in the NFL, Pablo. He hasn't given much that, that, that would give you any doubt that he can't sustain this for a long time. And I think he's played enough football to really have this kind of quiet confidence about him, that he's been in these situations. The stage is not too big for him. And again, you combine that with some great weapons around him, one of the best offensive minds in football, yeah. in Kyle Shanahan. If you think about the difference in watching Skylar Thompson play who was drafted ahead of Brock Purdy who yep. was also playing yes seventh yeah. rounder fellow seventh also rounder playing with some in good weapons in this in a very similar system it, it just look how he operate I I mm. there might have been like there could have been like 15 delay of games in that Dolphins game I swear you juxtapose that with what the Niners are doing with Brock Purdy and the command that he has in there the great play calling and game planning that Kyle Shanahan does putting him in good situations the guy threw two check down touchdowns, right? Like this is a guy that, that 
is very comfortable just distributing the football. And, and I love to see that, right? Like, I mean, he had this great stat line. Two of them were checkdowns. One of them was a great kind of off-rhythm play that he made scrambling. And they 11 straight wins now, Pablo. They're the hottest team in football. They have their third string, last pick in the draft. Yep. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah, Pablo, they have the best defense in football. So I forgot about <laughs> that. So, uh, well, I mean, it's, it's when you add it up, when you add it up, right, here's the crazy part to, to the people. And you know this team uh, really well living in the area, having played for him. Um, he looks better, Brock Purdy does, than Jimmy Garoppolo looked this season. I, I don't just, I, I, I just don't understand how I do. You agree I do. with that? You agree I do with that agree sentiment? With I think he's a better, yep. That's why I think he's throwing the football really, really well from the pocket. He's making great quick decisions again to go to his eyes and feet and just watching him play. But I, mm. for me, he does remind me a lot of Drew Brees in that regard. Um, having been around Drew, like this is a guy like Drew's never going to run a, a four or five. But Drew is a phenomenal athlete. You know, Brock's got a little bit of that. And I think we saw that on Saturday, him getting out of, out of sacks, moving around, extending plays. Again, the one where... The, All the time. The one yeah. where he found the touchdown, his ability. The second, the, the, the later touchdown, he threw to Debo, rolling out to his left, how well he made, you know, how easy he makes that look. I, I have to agree with you that I think they almost look better with Brock Purdy at the helm. And that's nothing against Jimmy and, and, and what he's doing. I think that's just a compliment to Brock and his... Uh, how prepared he is for this situation and taking advantage of this opportunity. Uh, but this is unique. I don't think we've ever seen anything like this in the NFL. And, and I know people, I know people want to compare it obviously to Tom Brady, but there was nobody six games in to Tom Brady's career that was calling that. It's really, really impressive to watch. And uh, it, it's only going to get more fun to watch here uh, as they uh, move on to the divisional round. I mean, Brock Purdy was high stepping. Alex, at one point, like just, just I, I, I don't know why. I just know that I liked it, and I know that when you have him in this system that you said he's in complete command of, that's exactly what it looks like. And at his, on one side is Christian McCaffrey, on the other side is Debo Samuel, who's back after missing so much of the end of the season um, with that ankle injury. Like, explain what it's like to be a quarterback in this specific system with Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel. The one play that I, I love seeing is they, they lined Christian McCaffrey up at receiver and had Debo at tailback. And they had a run play called. They had a, like, it looked like what was a, appeared to be a toss, like a toss sweep to the left. And a lot of times away from the run, you tag the receiver with like a little quick throw, either a quick slant or like a quick hitch. And if it's open, you throw it. And, so Purdy does this little fake kind of toss and comes back and hits Christian McCaffrey on this quick slant on the backside of a running play that knifes for like 10 to have the, the guts to be aggressive and do all this crazy stuff with them, right? And, and to, to, to piece it all together and to, and to be the cohesiveness, right? And, and I think the one thing that's fun to watch this team and especially that offense is, right, like you don't know who's going to have the big day. It, it, right, it, we don't right. know. It could be. It could be. No, George Kittle, by the way, is also there somewhere. It could be Kittle. Too. It yep. could be a Uke. Like they've got great players all over yeah. the place, and you don't totally know whose day is going to be. And 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 I love that the selflessness that they have for each other and celebrating each other when it, you know, hey, it's your day today, uh, you know, and it's just the way it worked out. There's a lot of people that deserve credit. Um, you know, we we at these end of the year awards that we talk about. You know, offensive rookie of the year, very well probably should be Brock Purdy. But coach of the year, I don't know how Kyle mm. Shanahan's name's not on that short list. 
you know, a G- I mean, G- with your third GM of the year. I don't this. know how yeah. uh, John Lynch isn't on that short list. You know that you talk about the Christian McCaffrey trade right now. A lot of, when when it happened, there were a lot of people thinking they overpaid for that for him, and and uh, they got it rolling I, again. I'm excited to see uh, next week. Yeah, yeah. All right, Alex. You mentioned the guy that everybody is trying to compare to Brock Purdy, and we should probably talk about yeah how Tom Brady is still in this too. Picture this. You arrive at your hotel. You have an important online meeting lined up with clients from all across the country. You have your laptop open, ready to begin, and the Wi-Fi is so terrible you can't even connect. These type of stressful situations happen all the time, but they don't have to. When you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you have access to their free high-speed Wi-Fi. So you can take care of those critical emails, join your meetings on time, and even unwind by streaming your favorite shows without having to worry. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code DAILY. That's code DAILY. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. So, Alex, as you mentioned, you're in Tampa Bay. You're there for Monday Night Football. You're there for Cowboys Bucks. And one of these teams is going to play... Those 49ers, by the way. And I, I want to start here with the Cowboys just because the Dak Prescott experience as of late has been a bummer <laughs> if you care about the Cowboys. I mean, he looked legitimately bad in week 18 against the Commanders. That was 128 yards passing, a pick six, an offense in Dallas putting up just six points. How worried are you about what Dak's been looking like? How worried should Cowboys fans be as a result? Listen, the week 18 game was a dud. Like, uh, and that's being kind. You yeah, know, that's a generous um, scouting report. <laughs> for Dak and the Cowboys. And for me, I, I, really, I really don't think it's very characteristic of who they are as a team and the way they're going to play Monday night. But it's enough cause for concern. The, the other crazy thing is they had another dud this season and it came in week one against these Bucks. So... Right. It's hard to just blatantly throw them out of the uh, sample size, you know? Like, uh, it's, it's, you can't totally ignore them. Um, but at the same time, I really do think they're uncharacteristic. But when you look at Dak, right? And we, we asked with Josh Allen, like, okay, maybe he's trying to, well, it looks like he's probably trying to do too much. Dak Prescott being as interceptable as any quarterback in the league this season What's your sense of why he's been turning the ball over that much? Yeah, it's been a couple of things. I mean, he he has had some bad breaks. I mean, he's had he's had the tip ball bounce off a receiver's hand kind of interceptions that you know it's it's you wish they had like the air column in football where they could like give put that on somebody else mm. kind of thing. You know what? But, That's right. That's yeah. right. Interceptions are not a yeah. completely fair statistic. However, in that way. he also has a good chunk that 
were like, what were you thinking interceptions where he hits DBs in the chest or throws it into a, a team meeting? You know, like just poor decision-making that we should, we that Dak's way beyond this and kind of always has been. Um, and so they're, they're, they're very uncharacteristic. And I think certainly though, to lead the, the league in interceptions and you also miss five weeks uh, is, is alarming. Right. Um, again, I, I, I don't think that's who Dak is. Like this is this is a guy that's always taken care of the football. He's always been a good decision maker. He's always processed well. He's always been accurate. Those are that that kind of is who he is. And and so again, I think here on the big stage, I think that's only going to shine through. I I'm of the belief that those are are, are again abnormalities, um, kind of a blip uh, on on the career. When you play long enough, sometimes those things are going to happen. And and I do really think. Uh, he's going to play well uh, Monday night. But, you know, uh, I, we're going to find out, you know, and, and uh, I, I, I think we can all say this, this Dallas team has the better roster, right? They, they are a good football team. They're built really well. And when they play their best, uh, I think they can, they can beat anybody. Uh, it's, it's just a matter of, of them actually playing up to that standard. And, and uh, that's been the problem. That's been Dak's problem. Um, and so kind of giving some life to these bucks. Well, the Cowboys are a 12-win team, right? They are the higher seed. All of that is true. They have more skill across their roster than the Bucks do. What the Bucks have is 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 him. They still have yep. him, Alex. Yep. And for all of the And he he can still throw know, it, Pablo. Uh, <laughs> well, this is the thing about him. He's about to play his 48th playoff game of his career. And so we talked about like, okay, when you're watching a young quarterback who is trying to project confidence, what are you sort of watching for? This is sort of a question about just the opposite end of the life cycle. What do you watch for when you watch the guy who's won everything and done everything, try to do everything and win everything again? Yeah, I, I, I think this game's going to boil down to a few things. One of them is can they protect Tom? Because the one thing that he can still do is he can still rip it. I mean, he can throw it. For a 45-year-old guy, Pablo, I've never seen anything like it. This guy can still throw it all over the yard. A couple bombs we saw in recent weeks. The true, true bombs, yes. The thing is, and this has never been Tom's thing, is right, like he, 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 he's not going to escape pressure. At 45 right now, like that's, that's not his, his deal. And so can the Bucks stop the, the Dallas defensive line, which is the strength of Dallas, can they kind of bow up and give him enough time, you know, to, to, to let his arm shine through, right? Like this is a guy that, that processes and makes decisions better than anybody in the history of the game and can still throw it. And I think with that being said, has Mike Evans gotten healthy and found a little bit of juice too, right? We saw it in week 17. He went for 200 yards and three touchdowns. Tom threw for 400 and something yards and they sealed off their, their division and a chance to host this game. And so I, I think if they have an opportunity, it's that. Can they protect Tom? And can he push the ball down the field, especially to Mike Evans? Because um, if they can do that, they have a chance, right? They're, they're historically bad at running the football. Unbelievably terrible. And any hopes that that somehow is going to happen is uh, just nonsense. And so, you know, with that, They've kind of resorted to, they, they throw the ball underneath, right? Tom's done, I think he gets the ball out faster than anybody on average in the NFL. Mm. And they have a great 
kind of completion game underneath. Chris Godwin, a lot of these possession, you know, kind of type throws, throws to the backs. But they have to be able to push the ball down the field. And, and Mike Evans has to get back to his old form of being able to stretch the field vertically in order to, to be able to open up some of that stuff underneath. And then I think they need a takeaway to go back to the Dak Prescott interception thing that this defense needs to force a turnover or two for them to have a chance. But he gives them that chance, Pablo. I mean, if he gets hot, we saw it two weeks ago, right? I mean, he, he can still throw for 400 and something oh, yards know, in a game. Yeah. He can still put up a bunch of points. And uh, I think that's, we're all going to be watching to see if he can do it one more time. No, if he gets hot, we realize that we are the ones still living in this horror movie. Like, of course, of course, the movie isn't over. Of course, the plot happens to be exactly the same. Tom Brady in the postseason. Yeah, get ready. God. <laughs> I, I, I can't wait. I mean, uh, it, it's honestly, it's silly. The fact that like, I, here I am, I'm 38, right? And, and he's 45. And That's still right. Playing. This is a guy that I think what he's done in the postseason is, is uh, guys would be proud of to have that for their career. And uh, yes, to see if he can go do it one more time, you know, here they are. They, everybody's been down them all season. They, you know, kind of limping into the playoffs. They get to host a game though, and, and it it happens to be the Dallas Cowboys. He he still got it in there. There's make no mistake, man. This guy can still throw it. It just it's just a it's 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 a truly impressive thing when you playing till forty five makes the people younger than you feel old. Yeah. No sh. Just like I, just, yeah. <laughs> Alex Smith, man now behind a microphone. Thank you for joining us. Pablo, thanks, man. I'm Pablo Torre. This has been ESPN Daily. And I'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs>